Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up? Welcome to the Los Angeles Dodgers podcast on the Believe Network. I am J.P. Hornstra of the Southern California News Group. Doing a little off-day taking stock of where the team is. Speaking here in between the Dodgers' just completed series in San Francisco and kicking off a homestand, starting with the Chicago Cubs on Friday. Just a solo episode today. Sean Green is traipsing about the country, as he tends to do. But I wanted to start with some surprising individual stat lines on this Dodgers team. Did you know, for example, who is leading the major leagues in walks? Maybe you've heard of him. His name is Miguel Vargas. Miguel Vargas has 13 walks, which is pretty impressive, but even more impressive is that he has only done that in 41 plate appearances. So while he is going into the weekend with more walks, one more walk than Brandon Nimmo, who is second on the list, he's actually leading the major leagues in walk rate by a mile 31.7% of his plate appearances have ended in a walk. Next on that list, Lamont Wade of the Giants, whom we just saw at 24.4%. Nobody else is between 25 and 31%. Just outstanding seeing Miguel Vargas go from a guy who couldn't swing the bat in spring training saw a lot of pitches because his manager told him to, and now seems to have the most impeccable strike zone discipline of any hitter in baseball. As a rookie, no less. Just wild. Some other stat lines, Trace Thompson, James Altman, and Jason Hayward are one, two, and three on this team in OPS. I'm sure we all saw that coming. Michael Grove has a 14.73 ERA. Definitely saw that coming after the spring training he had. Sure. And look, this is all fun with small sample sizes, right? This this will all even out in time. Uh, I'm not sure if I believe in any of those things. Even Miguel Vargas's plate discipline, I think, will come back down to earth once pitchers figure out how to get him to chase. Thompson is just the most streaky hitter not just on this team, but one of the streakiest hitters I've ever seen. You know, he'll have these two-week streaks, and we're only two weeks into the season, where he can lead a good team in OPS, and then he'll kind of crash for a little while, and hopefully it's only a little while and not a long while. Um, He had a miserable spring training. He didn't have a great WBC. Um, When he does hit the ball, it goes a long way, and sometimes he hits three balls a long way in the same game, which is what he's done for the Dodgers already this season. Um, Outman, though, I don't know. This could just be who he is this year. 
I haven't seen another version of James Outman. I haven't seen like a bad version of James Outman that I could expect him to regress to. Maybe that's just my bias, but it's true. <laughs> I tend to believe it. I have seen a bad version of Jason Hayward. So I don't know that I necessarily buy this from him long-term. But look, I, I think the one thing that we can take away from these first two weeks as far as how the Dodgers are using their outfielders, they're kind of using them the right way. I think if David Peralta continues to hit the way that he has, you'll see a lot less of David Peralta and, and maybe a lot more Hayward. I don't know. Jury's still out because... David Peralta has a 421 OPS. Don't know how long he'll be in the starting lineup against right-handed pitching if that continues. Some other numbers thought I'd throw out. Zero pitch clock violations by Dodger hitters or pitchers. Leading the major leagues. They're the only team that doesn't have a pitch clock violation. There was one timeout violation, but no violations of the pitch clock by hitters or pitchers or catchers, for that matter. Baseball Reference, of course, runs odds on every team to win the World Series, updated daily. You want to take a stab on the Dodgers' odds to win the World Series? Getting out to their 7-6 and six start? 32.1%! They're crushing it. Teams rarely have World Series odds in the 30s, but there are the Dodgers. Baseball reference still believes in them. So do you? Do you still believe in the Dodgers? Let's see. Let's keep rolling. Two for six on stolen base attempts. This one I didn't see coming. The rest of the league has been successful on 83% of stolen base attempts. The Dodgers... Right there at 33% success, stolen base rate so far. I didn't expect this to be a team full of burners, but I did expect them to take advantage of the relaxed rules on stolen base attempts somewhat. You know, I should say relaxed rules. It's basically that pitchers can't throw over more than twice without incurring a balk, and the bases are three inches bigger and those things have clearly helped teams uh, on a very practical level. I pointed this out in my column this week for the Orange County Register and the rest of the Southern California News Group that basically Ichiro Suzuki was not as successful in his career on stolen base attempts as all of Major League Baseball has been in the first two weeks of 2023. And Ichiro, of course, he's one of the smartest base stealers of all time. So the rules are making a difference, just not for the Dodgers. Two for six. And here's one I wanted to hang out on for a little bit. This one was surprising to me. Zero roster moves since opening day. The Dodgers liberally use their roster to the point where it can be hard to keep track of who's on the active roster on any given day, sometimes. But so far, not a single move. And I don't know if that's a great thing, <laughs> as I want to delve into on this episode. I wanted to talk about a couple causes for concern, or at least perceived causes for concern. I know the bullpen's taken a bit of heat for its lack of performance. And look, let's face it, the bullpen has allowed 
some runs. It's, it's lost some games for this team. But I want to tell you why I'm not so much worried about the bullpen. The guys who have been arguably the two worst performing relievers this season, Alex Vezia and Bruce Dark Gratterall, can both be optioned to the minors. I know Yancy Almonte's had some bumps, but those have mostly been in low to medium leverage situations. Vezia and Gratterall were guys who the Dodgers were counting on to pitch in high leverage situations, and it hasn't always looked good. But if that continues, we could see a roster move. No penalty to the Dodgers to option Alex Vesia or Bruce Dark Gratterall. You know, think about who they have at OKC. Justin Bruhl is a guy who's performed at the major league level, hasn't allowed a run this season. Uh, you could say the same thing about Taylor Scott if you need a righty. The Dodgers have some wiggle room here. They, they also have two other guys who can be optioned. That's Caleb Ferguson and Andre Jackson, although they haven't really been so bad to this point in the season. The point is, if you need to switch around some roles in the bullpen in order to maximize your best guys, Dodgers have a fair amount of wiggle room. And that's by design. It's like that every season. Andrew Friedman has done a pretty good job at constructing a roster that is nothing if not flexible. You got Victor Gonzalez at AAA2, Adam Kolarik, Two other lefties who are probably too good for AAA, but they either weren't on the 40-man roster with the Dodgers or were not one of the eight best options, at least on paper, at the end of spring training. Most teams don't have that many options, but the Dodgers do. Long term, I'm not too worried about the bullpen. It's the starting rotation that concerns me a bit more. And really specifically, we can talk about two guys, Noah Syndergaard and Michael Grove. You would love to have the same freedom to send those guys to the minors or put them on the Phantom IL in the case of Syndergaard if they continue to struggle. I don't know if the Dodgers can do that just because they lack so much depth on the starting side. Tony Gonsolin and Ryan Pepio aren't expected to be healthy enough to pitch until May. Gavin Stone really was the story of spring training on the pitching side, and he's had two bad starts, one good one. Kind of an uneven ride at Oklahoma City so far. You'd like him to have a little more confidence in what's a pretty short track record at AAA before you decide he's one of your five best major league pitchers. Bobby Miller got slow played in spring training, and he's essentially working out and throwing bullpens to teammates at Camelback Ranch until the Dodgers are willing to let him log competitive innings. That's not what you do. If you want your kid throwing important innings at the beginning of the season, they want him throwing important innings at the end of this season, but I wonder if the Dodgers might need Bobby Miller more right now. We'll see if they change the strategy there. What they really need is a couple good starts this weekend from Noah Syndergaard and Michael Grove. Syndergaard goes Friday night against the Cubs, Michael Grove on Saturday. By the time you're hearing this, you might know how those went. I will note here that Dustin May's 150 ERA is a bit misleading too. His expected stats are kind of all over the place. He's only made three starts, but 40% of the 49 batted balls he's allowed have been hard hit. 40% is not very good. Um, His strikeout rate is also below the league average. It's at 17.6%. Not what you would expect with a guy whose fastball touches 99 miles per hour regularly. His walk rate is also well above league average. He could use a good start too. 
He will not get that opportunity, though, until the Mets come into town starting Monday. So what can the Dodgers do if these guys don't straighten things out quickly? Well, in theory, you could swap Andre Jackson into the rotation, send Michael Grove to the bullpen. That arrangement might be better. The bigger picture is what concerns me about this rotation. One reason the Dodgers haven't made any major league transactions over the first two weeks of the season is because they're somewhat limited in who they can bring in. As I mentioned, the Dodgers have three games against the Chicago Cubs starting Friday. That means Cody Bellinger is returning to Dodger Stadium for the first time since he was unceremoniously non-tendered over the winter. How is Cody Bellinger doing? Well, the short answer is he's doing better than last season. As you know, that's not saying all that much. He's cut down on his strikeouts, only seven in his first 42 at-bats, compared to four walks and ten hits. Put that guy next to the Cody Bellinger of the last three seasons, and that's not too bad. It's also just a two ninety eight on-base percentage and three extra base hits in the span of two weeks. That's a super small sample size, but if you had to render a verdict today, I think any team would rather employ Jason Hayward and his 1,000 OPS at the league minimum salary rather than Cody Bellinger and his 703 OPS for about $18 million. There's actually another ex-Dodger turned Cub who I'm more interested in watching this weekend, and that's Edwin Rios. Rios was also non-tendered last season, which I didn't really understand other than for the sake of cost-cutting, trying to get under the luxury tax threshold. He would not have been as cheap as Jason Hayward, although the disparity between his salary and Bellinger's is not quite as big. He seemed like a decent roster fit with the Dodgers, especially after Justin Turner shipped out to Boston, given that Rios can play third base, first base, and DH. Coming off the Cubs bench this season, Rios has only one hit in eight at-bats so far, and of course that one hit was a 109-mile-per-hour home run. Should the Dodgers have kept him? Well, Rios appeared in only 100 games the last two seasons, if you include his minor league work. And hindsight's always 20-20. If the Dodgers knew that Gavin Lux was going to miss the season, they might have been more apt to keep Rios, another left-handed hitter, who can play some infield. If the Dodgers knew that David Peralta was going to have a 421 OPS, they might have decided to make Edwin Rios part of their left field rotation. And look, like I said, Peralta still has time to straighten things out. There's just not a lot of reason for confidence yet. Where I feel bad for Edwin Rios is that he did the thing you want every prospect to do. He worked hard to become the best version of himself as a hitter. He reached the major leagues. He contributed to a team that won the World Series. And even though the best version of Edwin Rios comes with some limits, there is always room for a left-handed hitter with that much power on the 26-man roster of a good team. The only thing Edwin Rios didn't do was stay healthy. Now, I haven't seen his physicals, detailed or otherwise. The Dodgers front office has. Their decision to non-tender him was more educated than any decision I could have made. I just think it's a shame whenever a guy loses his job because he can't stay healthy. 
Even more so when one of the injuries, remember the hamstring strain that cost him part of the 2020 miniseason, was essentially the result of managerial negligence. Let's flash back to that. It was August 16th, 2020 in Anaheim. The cardboard cutout fans were out in full force. Rios hits a double and he pulls up limping at second base. Dave Roberts saw this, decided to leave Rios out there to run for himself. And when the next batter hit a ball to the outfield, Rios had to limp home. But I digress. Last season, Rios hurt his hamstring again. In 2021, early in the season, he hurt his shoulder. But prior to that hamstring injury in Anaheim, as far as I can tell, Rios had not been on the injured list once since he joined the Dodgers' 40-man roster. It really fell apart for him kind of quickly. So I'll be keeping an eye on Rios. I'll be keeping an eye on Cody Bellinger. But more than that, this weekend, I'm going to be keeping an eye on Noah Syndergaard to see whether he can actually use whatever stuff he has left to be a good major league pitcher. I'm going to be keeping an eye on Michael Grove to see that the command that he flashed in spring training is still within him. The jury is still out on both guys. And that's looking critically important for the Dodgers until Tony Gonsolin and Ryan Pepio are healthy, until Bobby Miller's arm is built up, and until Gavin Stone looks like he can get hitters out with regularity at AAA. None of those things have happened yet, and that's kind of my concern at the moment. Take it with a grain of salt. Baseball reference still (laughs) thinks the Dodgers have a 32.1% chance of winning the World Series. It's two weeks into the season. Heck, why not? And as I've said all along, the Dodgers have the prospect capital to go out and get just about whoever they want. I don't know if Shohei Otani is ever going to be available this season, but you get my drift. It's a deep farm team. If these are long-term problems, the Dodgers can fix it with one trade. All right, that'll do it for this week. Please do check out my column from Wednesday on ocregister.com, dailynews.com, and all the Southern California news group sites. It is about what the new rules are doing to change baseball this season. We talked about the stolen base percentage. There are a couple other things kind of curious happening around the league, some of which I think are due to the new rules, like the faster game times, like the change in batting average, some of which, eh, maybe not. I don't know what the new rules are doing to boost home run rates. Probably nothing, but the ball sure is flying. So if you're sitting in the bleachers this weekend, bring your glove. Pay attention. Game goes fast now. (laughs) And be well.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.